What's up guys? It's a great day. This is Fuquan Bilal and we are back with another great episode of the PFREI podcast series. We interview experts in the real estate business in order to provide you with some of the best investment strategies and techniques used by leading fund managers, financiers, house flippers, and more. We appreciate every single one of you for taking the time to press play on the podcast and hope you enjoy this new episode. Another great episode of PFREI, A Passion for Real Estate Investments. I'm your host, Fuquan Bilal. Today we got a special guest, Mr. Greg Hughes. So, oh man, we run in the same circles and different masterminds, and I really wanted to try to get you on the show to talk about this 1031 exchange thing. So before we get into it, I'll read your bio. So when Greg was only 19, he made his first real estate investment. He bought three houses on a half acre lot, living in one and renting the other two. After learning the value of smart of the smart investment strategy, he partnered to build several commercial buildings from the ground up, which he still owns and manages today. Now, over the last 10 years, Greg has raised $95 million and has profitably bought and sold 595 single family residents in 22 states. So we got some experience in the room here, guys. He co-manages four alternative investment funds. Now these funds purchase residential real estate in selected uh, U.S. neighborhoods chosen for long-term stability and profitability. It also has another fund that purchases non-performing notes in bulk at a steep discount. Another fund that purchases uh, homes in single-family market with the rent-to-own strategy and purchases uh, another fund that purchases re-performing mortgages on a single-family home. So I kind of like that diversified strategy with the notes and the real estate. I do some of that myself, so it seems like your portfolio is well-balanced. Um, and he's also a real estate and investment author and a financial strategist. Now, the first question I always ask my guests is, why are you passionate for real estate investing? Oh, I, you know, that's interesting. Um, about probably 12 years ago, well, maybe 13 at this point, when uh, I, I, it wasn't my business at that point. It was before the recession, right? And I had um, a buddy of mine who was starting to do first trust deeds. And um, what I found was, so I joined him. I joined him for a little bit of time until uh, 2009. So this is like 2007 to 2009. And what I found is I've always loved real estate, but I've also always loved the finance side of business. And when you kind of put those things together, they go together. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, you can't just do real estate. I mean, I guess you sort of can but you got to put the finance part together with that as well. And um, before him and I parted ways, I helped him put together a fund and it was the first fund, you know, I'd ever done and, and he had too. And so we, we ended up parting ways and this was right during the recession. Um, and so that's when I started my first fund and that that's what I've learned that I've just been able to kind of combine those two things together. Um, way back when, when I was just 15 years old, uh, I started uh, a lawn and landscape company that I ended up running for 19 years. Um, and during that period of time, in fact, those three homes that I bought as, as a you know, young guy, I ran the business out of there. And then I sold those. And I actually lived in one, rented the other two out and sold those. And then I bought some land and built a commercial building. And so all along, I've been doing something along that, those lines of real estate. And I will tell you, um, when I bought the, real, the commercial building and I kind of ran the numbers on that, I said, geez, 
only need like one more of these, maybe two of them, and I, I can retire. I mean, you know, it's, you know, this is a retirement, and especially because I had the business in there, right? Business yeah. is paying me uh, the, the, the lease payment for it and everything. And, you know, easier said than done. I, I do own two commercial buildings today. I uh, still have the one that I built. Um, and we actually run our, our company out of it as well. So, but I don't know. I just always have really enjoyed that. I, I, I used to have kind of a passion for the stock market, but as I have learned over the years, there's just no control with that. You know, I mean, I, it's, it, you do what the stock market does. Right. Um, and, uh, with real estate, there's just so much more to it and, and there's so much more safety and, um, it just, well, and it's obviously tangible. You know, and it's just something you can control so much more. Yeah, so, the stock is definitely a zero-sum game. I had another guest on it earlier, yeah. and we were talking about that. That is no control. The alternative investments is the really the best way to go if you want to see a better yield. So when you actually started to get involved with it, get your first property, and see the power of it, uh, now it's actually like you're out there serving the community, helping investors generate some passive income. So how was that transition from being a property owner to a fund manager? Because uh, it seems like, um, you know, over the, a significant amount of time, you've built these funds out to buy notes, to buy properties. You know, 600 properties is a lot of properties, a lot of work. So yeah. let's talk about that transition from a property owner uh, on that investment side of owning a single asset or multiple assets then transition into fund manager because that's a whole nother business. It's a whole, <laughs> it's a whole nother business. And, and, you know, just to kind of go on that same thread that I started with is when I owned those first three homes and the one I lived in and rented the other two out, you know, I have all the typical stories of having tenants, right? I mean, once I was trying to collect the rent, I got punched. One time I came out of my house, I, I noticed a guy ran a telephone line from his house to my house to hook into my telephone line, you know? So, I'm like, what? you think I'm not going to notice this or what, right? So, so then I go build that, that commercial building that we put the lawn and landscape business in. And, and, you know, I think I died and gone to heaven because, you know, really it's a triple net lease for because I had other places that I leased out in there as well. And so I thought, really, that's the way to go. And so I really kind of after that said, I, I really don't want to ever own another single family uh, home. Um, and so, uh, because the, the commercial was a much easier way to go and it, it still really pretty much could be, but it's not as safe either, you know? And so as we've gone through all that period of time, one of the things that happened was when my partner and I got together, uh, about 11 years ago is we were both part of putting money in those first trust deeds. And that was back when times were crazy, right? Real estate could never go down. And mainly all those first trustees were on uh, vacant land. So, well, what happens with vacant land when everything, you know, goes down in the economy? And of course, it's, it's maybe the worst we've ever seen, right? So you, you have no income coming in. It's all expenses, everything like that. And so as we transitioned along, we, as we started to build the funds and do that, and our very first one, which was, which was more uh, based on lease to owns, we always kept all of our homes in the core rental market because we always say, what's the thing that's going to hurt us the most, right? I mean, what's, what's the, during the downturn, what happens to us? Well, worst case scenario is at least a home, uh, homeowners or tenants, whatever you want to call them, can't end up buying the home, but we have a core, we have a home in the core rental market. 
And therefore, if worst thing we had to do, we don't have to do a fire sale. We can just rent the properties out and sit on. And we knew we'd have cash flow, maybe a beat, you know, maybe a beat break even, but much better than having to take, you know, a, a big hit and lose a lot of money with that. So as we transitioned, and this kind of a, a, an interesting way that it's all happened, um, the lease to owns were great because the tenants were really in charge. It was like a triple net lease to, to homeowners, you know, not a homeowner yet, but um, we were very picky about who we brought in and did all that. As we transitioned and we started buying a lot of homes, what I'd say more affordable, smaller homes in the Midwest, we tried to do the same deal and we just couldn't find enough qualified people to do it. So as we started, keep looking at it and it kind of evolves, because all these things evolve all the time. Um, we said, you know, the best way to go this direction is to turn to rental homes. And at that point, when we kind of looked at it and we said all that, my partner uh, looked at me and says, if we do that, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm not having a bunch of rental homes in the Midwest that we got to take care of. <laughs> let's, okay, well, let's just, you know, we'll work it through and see how it goes. You know, now today we have, uh, as of the time you and I are talking right now, about 477 doors in the Midwest that, that we manage on that. And so now we do have some of those set up as lease to owns, but the majority are not. They're really just a, they're a buy and hold for us. Um, and, we just love being in that, that section of the real estate. We love the part of we're in affordable homes. These homes don't go up and down in value much. So we're not real worried about when we're buying them um, or, you know, we don't plan to sell them. Um, if something turns down in the economy, we just, we don't really care. We don't even care if the homes are worth less. We're just going to collect the rents. And the whole thing we've done is built it all on cash flow. No appreciation because there really isn't a lot of appreciation with most of those homes anyways. You know, you get a little bit, but it's not a lot. Um, and all we care about is making that, you know, getting that rent and having the cash flow. So, you know, all along, you just kind of evolve as, as those things happen. So um, that, that's, I know, kind of a long answer probably to your, your question, but <laughs> it's better yeah. that than you have yeah. a you know, I give you a one or two answer. What's my next question? Yeah, because a lot of people, you know, they see um, me and, and where I come from and other people like you um, who transition from just owning property to actually owning a, a vehicle that actually can buy pools of this stuff and raise capital and everything else. They just think it's a walk in the park. It's a lot of work, a lot of regulation, a lot of different things you have to go through to consistently manage it successfully. There's a lot of moving parts, managing vendors, contractors, and everything else. So just trying to get the people to understand who may watch this, um, you know, it's definitely possible, but be prepared to roll up your sleeves and really get busy. Now let's talk about the biggest challenge um, that you face. I mean, for me, it was scalability. You know, every time I wanted to grow to the next level, I always had to face that situation on process mapping and trying to make sure that I'm growing with the dollars that I'm raising and the capital that I'm deploying, right? It's another issue most fund managers have if somebody writes you a check for $10 million, you have to be able to deploy it efficiently and be able to scale with that. So that was one of my biggest challenges that I had to overcome with, with some of the biggest challenges over your real estate career that you have to, that you had to overcome that you've learned from. Yeah, probably the biggest thing, especially with our, our buy and hold fund today that buys all the homes in the Midwest is, you know, we live in Reno, Nevada, so we're 1,500 miles, maybe 2,000 miles away where we buy in St. Louis and Cleveland and Memphis and, and Birmingham, 
or our main our main places that we buy, um, all the same pain that always comes along with all that stuff. As when we started, we weren't big enough to have our own property managers and uh, own construction people, all that sort of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, we had to have third-party property managers, and I don't care how you slice it, how hard you work at getting those people to try to do a good job for you, it rarely happens and it's always a challenge. Um, so as we hit probably is around about maybe 250 to 300 doors, we started to hit enough economies of scale that we actually started hiring people in the Midwest that became full-time employees of ours. Um, we have a brokerage, a real estate brokerage in St. Louis and one in Cleveland now. Um, so as we will start to bring on more real estate agents, we'll, which will help out with all that. We brought on construction managers, one that works out of Reno. There's one that works out of Cleveland. There's one out of St. Louis. Um, and that are all full-time employees. You know, they're part of our team now. Um, and yeah, there is a lot of things that go wrong and a lot of, a lot of, you know, hard knocks. There's just no doubt. And, and even still today, I mean, it is still a lot, a lot of work. I mean, if somebody were to say to me, hey, I would really love to go own some, you know, they, let's say they live in California or Nevada, someplace, you know, it doesn't matter, anywhere that's further away from the Midwest, I'd really love to own a bunch of homes back there um, and, and, you know, manage them myself or manage them with somebody else. Uh, I'd say, wow, you know, I, I just wouldn't recommend it. I, it's, just, it's just too hard. There's just too many things that go wrong with that. Um, and that's, pretty much the way we've set up our deal so that either people can come into the fund or as we may talk about the 1031 exchanges, all those are still managed by us. Um, and, and so the people that do stuff with us don't have to ever worry about any of that. There, there's no anything that they have to, to mess with because it's just too hard. If, if you own two to 10 houses, um, I, I think it'd be um, not, not a smart thing to do, you know, from that, that standpoint. So. Yeah, that's the, some people like to be active on that. So yeah, we say, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> some people can make it work, but it, it yeah, we all yeah, know you probably, to be more efficient, you really have to have the the, the, t the power team in place or be local, really, to get the best advantage out of it. But you mentioned the ten thirty one exchanging because that's I know that's one of your specialties, and you know I want to talk about that. Um, you basically help um, solve problems so that landlords have no more hassles and double their income. Uh, for or better, you know, maintain the real estate as part of their portfolio. So let's talk about that strategy that you're using because I know the last time it was at the last mastermind you started to give me some ideas about that, about what you guys were doing in the fund and how that was helping out a lot of investors, um, you know, get a place in a fund or really find value in something they didn't know they had. So let's talk about that. Yeah, it 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 has been really a fantastic deal. We've We've been doing this now for, we're probably about a year and a half, you know, may, maybe two years into it, but I don't think we're quite that. Um, we've worked really hard at trying to, how to set this up and, and make it work. And, and again, like everything, it's evolved along the way. And, we, and now we've got it pretty well, I think, dialed in um, on the whole deal. It, what, what happens is if you just take a, a, a normal situation, somebody's bought a, let's call it a rental home. Um, they bought it 25 years ago. They paid $200,000 for it. It's worth, you know, $500,000 today. Okay. Um, so they've done well, they've made some money on it, but they've been there, done that. They are done, uh, having to be the landlord of that 
um, and mess with it. They've reached that point in their life. They're kind of uh, wanting to be out of that. But they also don't want to pay any taxes because you got to recapture all your depreciation. You'll have your capital gains, right? So if you do a 1031 exchange, you can avoid that. Um, you just take the money and put it into a 1031 exchange account, and then you exchange it for some other properties. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but if you're going to do that, you end up buying other investment property that you have to manage um, with that. So what we've set up is somebody, let's just take that half million dollar home. They sell that home, put it in 1031 exchange. We can help them do that. Um, and then they come in and we sell them X amount of homes um, in the Midwest uh, that will be titled in their name. So it meets the 1031 requirements. And then what we do is we master lease those properties back from and in the case of today, because um, this, could, this could adjust, but we master lease them back at 8.5% of whatever equity they have. So they have a fixed rent with their, their uh, you know, what they put in as equity and what, with those homes. So every month we're going to send them that rent, and we then take care of everything except the insurance. The only thing they're required to take care of is the insurance on the property. So what that means is even if, if the hot water heater breaks, we go take care of it. We, we spend our own money and we, we do it. If the house, if the roof needs to be fixed, anything, it doesn't matter what it, if it's even vacant, it doesn't matter. We got to pay them because we master leased it back. From our standpoint, we put that, those properties basically back into our portfolio. So now it sits in there as one of the 477 doors that we're managing um, and that's how we that's how we manage it all through that. And and what we're finding is the people that are doing these, going back to that five hundred thousand dollars, there's a pretty good chance they have the house paid off. And so they got all that equity tied up in the house. And we all know the best way to do that is you know you leverage it and go buy more. Well, again, they don't want to do something like that. So now they get to bring the half million over to us, and they start to make that full eight and a half percent on the whole half million. Whereas before they might've had good cash flow, but they don't have a good return, right? They might be making one to 4% on their money um, with that. And so that's where we find it's pretty normal to at least double, if not way more, increase their income. Gets rid of all their landlord hassles um, and, and they're pretty happy with that. And, and then we add one more little twist to that that I think is really important because for investors, the big question is always, okay, but how do I get my money out? Well, what we do with them is we say, look, we'll just buy your house back from you for whatever we sold them to you for. Um, and that's the way you can redeem your money back out of there. You could actually go do another 1031 exchange. You could, you could, you know, you could pay the taxes or do whatever, but you can do that. And, and we ask for a 90 day notice. So um, it makes it, semi-liquid, you know, um, uh, with, with that and, and puts them in a great position. So that, that's the way it all works. That's a great strategy, man. I don't, that's a genius, <laughs> you know, cause it works on both ends. I mean, it's, I'm pretty sure yeah. it's a nice arbitrage on the end for you guys, you know, taking over that property and if, making sure that the rents are, um, it's worth it to pay out that 8% along with the cost that you have associated with that. You get to add another piece to the property to the portfolio to make the portfolio look good on the balance sheet. So, you know, it kind of works works on both ends. That's that's um that's genius. I don't know why I didn't think of that. <laughs> you beat me to it. Damn. Well, everybody, oh, everybody. But, but I was I was it's laughing. So, it's so easy, you know, everybody. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I was, no, I, I really appreciate that and you saying that because it, it's taken a lot of work and we've thought about this for a long time and really worked on it in the last few years to get to where we are. And um, sometimes it's funny how things evolve and they really do become sort of simple in the end, right? The good ones do. Yeah. Um, all that. But yeah, it works out really well. Yeah, I was I was laughing actually the last time that we we spoke and I walked away. I was laughing. I was like, because you came to me, I was like, what is it that you do? I was, like, <laughs> I was like, did you see me over here? See me over there? Everything is real estate related. You know, you're doing right. some of the same stuff. You're doing rentals. You're doing notes. You're doing yes. buy and hold. You're selling stuff. So I kind of looked at that and actually trademarked this diversified hybrid real estate investing. And to me, that's wow. a, a strategy that uh -huh. you, know, you, you you diversify across all boys. So if the market yeah you know, goes down 20% and the banks are selling more notes. You have those, those that set up already to work those no assets. You have some seller finance going on. You're buying some performing notes, just keeping that cash flow and those cash injections. So you're not just doing wholesaling or rentals only or fix and flip. So I think it's important, um, especially, you know, just like you have set up in these different vehicles, these different strategies that kind of balance all, you know, what you're doing. So how, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> How do you keep the sanity? Like, you know, it's a lot of stuff going. It's a lot of work. Um, you know, I know. I kind of know what you go through, and it's. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm passionate about real estate, but, you know, I do have my days. But, you know, we talked about some of your challenges, and what are you looking for now as we go into the 2020? We just left a mastermind. The whole thing was the big shift in 2020. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you're putting in place for your company um, to kind of uh, – ride the waves or whatever is to come and then you know what's the value add going back to are you you know doing any education helping people get you know learn about this stuff you know so the first question is what are you doing for 2020 you know projecting the market where it's going to go that's going to be a transitional play for your company and then what are you doing to kind of add value to to others down the line it's the second question yeah so um well, for the most part of what we're looking to do is, and, and this fund has, so this fund started about three years ago, um, the buy and hold fund. Um, it's truly going to be our first fund that really has what we think is really, really long legs. Um, when people ask me, okay, so what are you going to do with this? I'm saying, well, I, I think we're going to have it for 20, 30 years. I mean, I, we just have no intention of turning around and selling any of these properties. Um, now, that doesn't mean that something doesn't happen down the line. That, uh, of course, that changes. But um, for the most part, why would we get rid of these things? They're just cash flow, you know, little machines, right, type of a deal. And especially as we continue to build. Um, as we can hit maybe 1,000 doors and then 2,000 doors, I, I think things get even better for us. From our standpoint this year, we've, we've literally expanded from about 15 people to about 35. So it's been a really big year. Those are things that keep me up at night um, and trying to work through all that. Um, we're, we're working through the systems and everything that we have for our business. And, and, and again, having to, to make sure that they are all staying up and scaling along with us with that. So you know, just as well as I do, and you just got done saying it, all the cycles that real estate goes through, you know, so when we started the lease to own fund, we knew lease to owns were going to basically come to an end, at least in the way we were doing them. And they did because, you know, we came out of the recession and homes became more expensive. So lease to owns became more expensive, et cetera, et cetera. 
And so it's always been that what's kind of next. Um, I see what we're doing today is, is being next for a long time, but I don't know for sure, you know, um, but because of, again, we're not buying in California where the prices of the homes, you know, can fluctuate by 50%. Um, we're just not in that, in, in that ball game anymore. Um, well, and we had the same thing here in Nevada, right? I mean, in Reno and Las Vegas, we had things that went down 50, 60%. So that's, that's what we're seeing. We, we feel like we're really well set up for a recession um, when the time comes. Um, and um, so maybe that doesn't change a whole lot for us. And, and, and maybe if anything, it makes it easier to buy at that time. I'm, I'm not really sure because I can't you know, tell you for sure on that. But as for your, your question on value add, we don't do anything from the standpoint of teaching others. You know, We've just never gotten into that. Um, it's just not been a, a piece of our business um, that we've, you know, offered or anything like that. I mean, it, we certainly love being in part of any of the masterminds and sharing whatever we know. Um, I know we're going to have one coming up here in January. Um, and uh, that, you know, so it'll be interesting to hear what others have to say and, and all that sort of stuff. So, but I just don't have anything great um, from the standpoint of being able to tell you that there's, you know, we try to do uh, newsletters every month. We do uh, an email that goes out every Saturday. A yeah, lot of those that's, that's what I'm talking about. Those value yeah. I know you used to do, yeah. a, I used to see you a lot, and you probably still do, a lot of events where you will go out and speak to people and educate people on the strategy and stuff. So that's the value add that I'm talking we about. Do. I know you're actively out yeah. there yeah. spreading the word and sharing the strategy that you're doing and teaching other people how they can get involved, yeah. you know, whether it's passively or you're sharing the strategies you're doing actively. And they may want to do them themselves. So I know you're out there doing that. So yeah, and and I do a lot of that with our indiv you know individual investors as such. And and you know I, I get to share all the stuff that I learned from you guys. You know, I mean, <laughs> great, it is awesome. Yeah, I know. So I mean, I am so much smarter today than I was you know ten years ago. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the circle of influence is important. You know, it it helps you grow to the next level. And at, at first, I was the one who would say, "Oh, I would never pay to be a part of a group or." You know, I was just ignorant to it until mm -hmm. I started to get in a room with people that was on a higher level. And I was like, wow, this stuff is useful. And I yeah. feel, you know, like I'm growing. So just from coming from one session is like, oh, man, you have like 15 things you want to really put into action. But you focus on the two or three that you can actually do and then yeah. work, the, work the rest in. But, yeah, I, I thank you, man, for coming on a, on a show and really sharing. You're adding value with this content that you just gave. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I really thank you for that. It's a passion for real estate investments. Catch us on YouTube, Twitter, and also Instagram. Greg Hughes, I just want to plug out, plug your, your site they can go to. Uh, Hughes Capital, that's H-U-G-E-S capital.com. Uh, you can find out more information there if you're looking for passive investment strategies or more information um, on these uh, different asset classes that Greg is in. Oh, man, Turkey Day is coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so look out for that and i definitely appreciate you coming on the show thanks for having me fukon it's always a lot of fun thank you guys for listening to this episode of the passion for real estate investments podcast looking forward to providing you guys with more testimonials from successful real estate investors be sure to follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at a passion the number four rei thanks so much guys and until next time it's a great day mm -hmm.